Welcome to, I can't hear Jesse. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. We're having some technical difficulties with Jesse. He'll be coming on soon once they figure that out. We have a great show ahead of us. I have to tell you right now, folks, this is something I wanted to alert you to. Uh, Did you know that there are 37 states that are blatantly anti-Catholic? They have these amendments called the Blaine Amendment. We're going to expose that, and hopefully that will get changed. Also, we're going to cover... Uh, something we're gonna have a video to show show you all that, but also a mom uh, who just good old mom and dad they say goodbye to Disney because they're now propagating the faith and then they're attacking the faith with immorality. Well, we knew that for quite some time, but it's real obvious now. Also, I wanted to mention this that the frontline doctors, anytime the frontline doctors come up with some good news and not any news that ties into a um, COVID, that's why we get kicked off a lot of stations because we tell the people the truth. Well, one of the Americans' frontline doctors is warning pregnant women that the COVID jab rollout has coincided with a nearly 2,000% increase in fatal deaths as compared to the rate during previous vaccinations. So uh, there's something there. They give all the statistics. I want you to be alert, so don't let mama uh, get COVID, uh, did the vaccination, and no matter what, if the doctor says, just tell them, no, I'm not going to do it. And then, of course, we have a a great article from Crisis Magazine dealing with our hunger for the bread of life, which is the Holy Eucharist. And I think, you know, it's about time. I know many of you heard yesterday's show with Bishop Athanasius Snyder. We had some issues with our podcast, but you might want to listen to that because Bishop Snyder's latest book called The Catholic Mass, I covered that with him. We have one more interview. This is the greatest book on the Mass. So, Crisis Magazine Crisis came out with a great uh, uh, article on our need on our for the Holy Eucharist. It sounds like I might have Jesse with me right now. Jess, right now. are you with me, brother? Yes, nope. Terry, I'm here. I okay, just called brother. in. Good. I'm, I'm over here in an undisclosed bunker somewhere here. Jesse, you always are, brother. You're always somewhere preaching the gospel, trying to get people to heaven. And, I, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy to work with you all these years, Jess, because you never change. Hey, brother, I just want to let everybody know we have more new listeners this past month. I just got the report in, and donations wow. are people donating. I want to thank those new people that are coming on. We have these little cards. I give them out at all the um, funerals that we have here at the chapel. Uh, matter of fact, one yesterday, a guy's studying to be an apologist, and uh, by golly, he said, uh, yeah, it was Terry and Jesse on the show three years ago. I used to listen to those guys. They got me fired up. Where are they? And I said, I'm Terry. Here's your card, brother. You're back in the game. Jesse's on every day here. So the point of it is we have to get our listeners to get the word out. So just call in at 877-526-2151 and pick up some of those cards to hand out because that's how we reach new people. Also, you can go on to vmpr.org. Jess, I see you now. Uh, great. You want to go ahead with the uh, and the, you know, full, let's, let's get the gospel. Soul food, brother. Hit it. You got it. Hey, uh, St. Vincent Ferrar, pray for us, by the way. Amen, bro. The angel of the apocalypse. Today's gospel, John chapter 8, verse 21 to 30. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. <clears throat> Jesus said to the Pharisees, these are the establishment, the enemies of Christ, the Jewish establishment. <laughs> I am going away, and you will look for me, but you will die in your sin. Notice that, you will die in your sin. What type of sin it kills a soul? Mortal sin. Yep. He's referring to mortal sin here. And he... And in today's gospel, he mentions the danger of mortal sin three times.
time. Okay. Where I am, where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, he is not, he is not going to kill himself, is he? Because he said, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you belong to what is below. I mean, that can refer to you belong to earth or you belong to the devil say, mm-hmm. in hell. Yep. Uh, you know, but I belong to what is above. That's a reference to heaven. You belong to this world, Jesus tells the Pharisees. Remember, this world belongs to the devil. But I do not belong to this world. That is why I told you that you will, here, second time he says it, you will die in your sins. What type of sin kills you? Mortal sin kills the life of God in your soul. Second time he told the Pharisees, you're going to die in your mortal sin. Here's interest, it's interesting. You got people like von Balthasar, Boltmann, Origen. They think that everybody's going to go to heaven at the end of time, not according to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying that some people <laughs> will die in their mortal sins. He continues and says, for if you do not believe that I am, oh, wow. He just used the divine title that the Jews understood. In Greek, it's ego emi. I am who am. I am who was, I am who is, and I am who will be. They understood what he just said there. This man, this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, just said, I am God. Yep. Our Lord says, number, third time he says it. You will die in your sins. Three times Jesus warns the establishment, the <coughs> princes of the Old Testament church. <laughs> Three times he tells them, you will die in your mortal sin. Again, just like a lay person can die in mortal sin, a prince of the church can also die in mortal sin if they don't walk in the obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Lord says, so they said to him, who are you? By the way, that's the million-dollar question. You better get that right. Yeah. Who are you? You better not say, oh, you're here. So he's a good teacher. He's a rabbi. He's a good philosopher. He's a nice guy. No, he's the son of God, co-equal, co-eternal, co-majestic with the Father and the Spirit, second person of the Trinity who became man, lived a perfect life for 33 years, died for our sins, the sins of every sinner. And if you don't accept him as your Lord and Savior and become part of this church through baptism and fed through his body and blood and holy communion, you risk the pains of going to hell. Amen. That's, can, that's simple. I, I continue. Yeah. Simple. He says, Jesus said to them, what I have told you from the beginning, I have much to say to you about, I have much to say about you in condemnation. Wow. But the one who sent me is true, and, that, uh, and what I heard from him, I tell the world. They did not realize that he was speaking to them of the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, that means when you put me on a cross mm-hmm. and you think that you've defeated me. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am. What does he mean? Then you're going to realize that I am God incarnate, God come in the flesh. In fact, remember, there were several soldiers, Longinus being one of them. Yep. There was another soldier there said, my Lord and my God. Another soldier said, truly, this is the Son of God. Many soldiers that hung Christ on the cross came to become Roman Catholic Christians soon thereafter. It says, and that I do nothing on my own, but I say only what the Father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Notice the Father and the Son, the Trinity. There's this interrelationship between the Trinity where they're inseparable, but yet, they're, but they, but yet they're, they're distinct, but inseparable. It says, because I always do what is pleasing to him, because he spoke this way, 
many came to believe in him, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he also said in John 12, 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, that means when he's put on a cross, he says, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. And that's exactly what the cross of Christ has done. It's, it's cobbled together billions of Christians around the world as we practice a season of Lent and we say, uh, uh, and we sing the song, Terry, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, yep. if you went to Mass today, you were there Amen. when they crucified my Lord. Well said, Jesse. I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Full, full scene ahead. And by golly, he's got Bishop Sheen has on that train. St. Vincent Ferrar, pray for us. Here's what he has mm. to say. It's a good statement, for, especially to a selfish world. The good saint said, whatever you do, think not of yourself, but of God. You know, Jess, if we took that advice, more people would be happy. There'd be less depression. Because what I see in the world right now, it's me, myself, and I. So I think that's good advice from this saint. St. Vincent Ferrar, pray for us. Amen. He's also called the, uh, the Apostle of the Apocalypse. Yep, that's right. Uh, he was a... Uh, he was, a, he was a miracle worker. He had the Big charismatic time. gift of, of working miracles. Yep. I think I read in a book, a tan book, that he, he, during his lifetime, he raised 27 people from the dead. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, and he was, they say he was an incredible preacher that he could just uh, hold people's attention for hours with the truths of the Catholic faith. Yep. Incredible, Jesse. When we come back, brother... We're going to talk about what the anti-Catholicism that's still in this country today. Everybody says, oh, no, that was a thing of the past. Really? Well, when we come back, we're going to share that with you. One more quick note. Many people are still picking up Father Chad Ripperger's recordings from the Spiritual Warfare Conference. I'm almost wanting to just start uh, advertising them in other Catholic newspapers because people are going viral. I'm gonna, we talked about that. We're going to yeah. put some Wanderer ads out on this because people need to know the rules of engagement, spiritual warfare engagement. Yeah. You like that approach? Yeah. So yes. the way people can get it is go to vmpr.org, or you can even call it, and we'll send it over to you. Uh, it's 877-526-2151. Again, I want to welcome all the new listeners that we're picking up. And all of you listeners that are old listeners, Please tell friends your, your friends about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I keep running into people who say, hey, I remember Terry and Jesse. What happened to them? That's three or four years later. So we got to get these cards and invite people to join us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Again, I want to thank you for all your support. Become a monthly donor and you, you get all kinds of stuff sent back to you on emails of, of links with all kinds of product. You're going to be surprised when you hear this clip we're going to play so put your seatbelt on when we come back here on the terry and jesse show and i'll say it again yes and i we're too blessed to be stressed we're too anointed to be disappointed and if hope was money we'd all be billionaires stay with us family welcome back to the terry and jesse show to join the conversation call 888-526- 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse, ahead, I just, I'm, since you're out, out in, in the middle of nowhere yeah. in a bunker, I'm just going to set it up again. Jess, you, you, yep, fa you found this 
video about anti-Catholicism. And uh, I just think people at that question, did you know that there are 37 states out of 50 with blatantly anti-Catholic amendments called Blaine Amendments? Before we show the video, Jess, tell me more about how you, I mean, this is, I think, shocking to most people. I've, I've heard of this before, Terry. Re- remember, anti-Catholicism, unfortunately, yeah. it's part of the American landscape. When Catholics came over here from Europe, yeah. uh, in the 13 colonies, the original, the original United States, right. Catholics that came from, from the boats across uh, the pond, they were relegated to live in Maryland. That's right. Because they said, you Catholics worship Mary, so we're going to give you your own state. That's the only place you can live. And we're going to call that place Maryland. So anti-Catholicism, Terry, is part of the American landscape. And in fact, there's a, a, a Jewish Harvard professor, Arthur Schlesinger. He actually said that prejudice against the Catholic Church is America's deepest bias in the history of American people. Wow. Uh, the Protestants have also come out with, a, with the National Conference of Protestant Christians. They also did a major survey, and they said... Uh, they said of all the segments of American population that they found, the number one prejudice in the United States is anti-Catholicism. So the Jews of the Protestants have done independent studies, and they admit what this article basically says, or this article proves with the Blaine Amendments, that there's been anti-Catholicism in this country from the very beginning and uh, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it still. It's still alive and well. In fact, there you'll see yeah. when a Catholic, who's a politician, runs for office, you'll see that they'll come at him uh, with with some of the worst and most vitriolic attack ads. Well, like it, like, it, like like uh, DeSantis, for example. Of course, and it almost took two hundred years to have even a baptized Catholic to become the president of the United States. Let's play this clip if we can, Mister Engineer. Hang on, he's got a little bit. Of, we'll, we'll wait a minute. Jesse, this, it's on. Okay. In the beautiful state of Maine, you'll find some of the most majestic forests in North America. But that vast emptiness comes at a price. Some rural communities are so isolated that there are no public schools. In those areas, parents are given vouchers to choose either a nearby public school or a private school for their children. It's a sensible system with one rather sinister flaw. Maine tells parents that they may not use those vouchers to send their children to what it calls a sectarian school, which means in practice schools that vigorously promote Christian values. But now, after decades of discrimination, that may be about to change. Parents David and Amy Carson wanted to send their daughter to the Christian school in Bangor, Maine that they themselves attended, their high school sweethearts. Their part of Maine doesn't have a public high school. But the state refused them access to its tuition assistance program because the school is Christian, and so the Carsons had to pay the tuition themselves. That was tough for them. As the Catholic mother of 10 kids, I know all about the challenges of affording private religious education. So I was delighted when the Carsons, joined by another couple in a similar situation, Troy and Angela Nelson, decided to confront Maine's discriminatory policy and take their fight all the way to the Supreme Court, wow. which this year will decide whether Maine's sectarian rule violated their constitutional rights. First, some background. This is much bigger than Maine. At least 37 states discriminate against parents who want their children to attend religious schools, 
and specifically Catholics, in this way. They have what are known as Blaine Amendments, named after a congressman, James G. Blaine, coincidentally from Maine, who in 1875 tried and failed to amend the U.S. Constitution to introduce a federal ban on public money going to religious schools. When the federal amendment failed, states around the country passed their own anti-Catholic Blaine amendments as a weapon with which to crush the growth of Catholic parochial schools. Maine's anti-sectarian rule is more recent, but it's definitely a weapon, now being used against schools that reject progressive ideologies. The two main Christian schools involved take a conservative line on sexuality and won't change their deeply held beliefs in order to receive public funds. Both a federal district court and the First Circuit Court of Appeals have ruled against the parents, arguing that the state paying their school fees would have breached the separation of church and state. This case, Carson v. Macon, is being fought aggressively by both sides. Progressive lobbyists in particular are horrified by the idea that the Supreme Court might uphold the right of schools with what they call discriminatory views to receive public money. They're busy caricaturing the main parents and Christian schools as bigoted, a label they slap on anyone who challenges the approved line on gender ideology. Although the main case doesn't specifically involve a Catholic school, the implications for Catholic parents are huge. All over the country, church schools are being targeted by a secular alliance of liberal politicians, left-leaning media, and teachers' unions. Now is the moment to act. Catholic parents should find out if some form of a Blaine Amendment operates in their state. And if it does, follow the brave example of the Carsons and the Nelsons. Remember that school choice is not just a political issue. One of the most sacred responsibilities of parents is to make decisions regarding the education of their children. Let me leave you with a quotation. As those first responsible for the education of their children, parents have the right to choose a school for them, which corresponds to their own convictions. That doesn't come from a conservative organization that advocates for school choice. It's from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I'm Andrea Pachati Bayer of The Conscience Project for Edify. God bless her. Terry, this is a, this is a topic, again, that one of those oh, topics huge. that polarizes a lot of people in the country because yeah. you'll have the secular humanist that'll say, separation of church and state, separate the church and state. You can't, you can't expect us with public money to pay for your sectarian education. What they mean by that is your Catholic or your Protestant education. So they scream separation of church and state, and they scream again. We, you know, we, we've got the Constitution on our side, and we've got, uh, and we've got the, the the founding documents on our side. But on the other hand, Catholics and Protestants and people of goodwill, we uh, we relieve a lot of the public school burden by having again by having uh, private schools. And since we're taxpayers, Catholics are just asking, hey, give us a seat at the table and stuff, and uh, we pay taxes. Can, we ha can you chip off some of those taxes so that we can send our kids to the schools that we prefer to send them to? Remember, the, for Catholics, the primary. All right, we just lost Jesse. Uh, Jess, we can't hear you right now. So let me just say, yeah, the primary teacher of, our, of the kids are the parents. 
Mr. Engineer, are you there? We're having some difficulty. So anyhow, I just wanted to say that and that um, when you think about the narrative that they're wanting to have, which is a narrative that says secular humanism, we don't want anything religious. We don't want, that's not going to support the narrative to corrupt our kids. And they're actually trying to do that as a twofold run. Yeah, one is don't give them any funding, but also they're saying let's make sure that these Catholic schools do not get, or Christian schools do not get any funding, and we'll cut them off that way also. And uh, I just say this, Jesse, it's the narrative that we, we have a cultural war, and it's our children. The next statement, we're going to be talking about what they're doing on entertainment to undermine our family issues. We need to follow that woman's stand where we say, let's stand up to the culture of death with the truths of the gospel. That's, are you back, Jesse? Yeah. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, Terry, you, you're seeing a lot of, a lot of p- people of goodwill, a lot of people that followers of Christ, Catholics yeah. and Protestants that are joining us, that are electing, that are electing homeschooling as an option. Yep. You're also seeing a lot of private academies opening up all over the all country. Over. Now, that's not for everybody. Don't get me wrong. That's not for everybody. Some people have uh, some bad experiences. Uh, and, and, and I know some great Catholic families that have a bunch of kids that go to public school, and they all do well. You yeah. know why they do well? Because mom and dad reinforce the Catholic faith, the sacraments, and the mass, and, at, at the, and the rosary at home. I know, I know people that have a lot of kids and went to public school, every one of them, and they turn out to be uh, you know, model citizens. It's because the faith has to be learned at home first and foremost. But again, the agenda of the public schools, it's godless. And what we have is every single topic we cover on the Terry and Jesse show, you're going to see it break down into two, into, into two camps. Yeah. The godless camp. Amen. And, and the God camp. Yep. Everything is we don't believe in God or we believe in God. Every topic that we talk about every day, it breaks down in one of two camps, sons of God or sons of Satan. Uh, and, and again, the public schools, unfortunately, Terry, have been co-opted by the left decades ago and that's why vladimir lenin even said he said this almost 100 years ago he says give me four years to teach the children and the seed i have sown will never be uprooted close quote that's vladimir lenin something interesting terry about somebody that everybody badmouths is, is vladimir putin yeah vladimir putin what he's done it's kind of interesting kind of a side note in the education in russia all kids have to learn in public school, in the Russian schools, they have to learn about the 70 years of communist rule and all the death that communism wreaked upon Russia. Wow. This is forced upon every kid by Vladimir Putin. You will learn the evils of communism, the 70 years of what communism did to Russia. And Vladimir Putin also did something else kind of interesting. You know the way we have a monument to the Vietnam Memorial, yeah. World War II Memorial sure. in Washington, D.C.? Sure. In Russia, Vladimir Putin built a monument to all the Christians that were killed in the 70 years of communist reign. It's called, I think it's called the Wall of Sorrows, wow. where it has the names of all the Christians that were killed under the Bolsheviks, under, you know, uh, 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 under the first, you know, Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Lenin. Yep. And, uh, and all the reigning czars from Russia, there's a wall with all the names of Christians that were killed. And Vladimir Putin, Terry, honors them for their sacrifice. And he's also built a monument to a very famous Russian prisoner called 
Solzhenitsyn. Yep. Remember great Solzhenitsyn? Man. Oh, was great in a man. Russian, he was in a Russian gulag for, for 40 years, yep. tortured and persecuted. He came out and wrote three books. Vladimir Putin has honored him publicly and built a monument in downtown in the capital in Moscow honoring uh, this great 40-year uh, you know, prisoner in a Russian gulag who's a, who's a Russian Orthodox Christian, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yep. So uh, I don't know, Terry, the, uh, Vladimir yep. uh, Putin seems to be an enigma for me, Terry. That's my an description, enigma. Jess, enigma. That's a good description. Jess, uh, this is all about a cultural war that we're up against. And yes. when we come back, it's still, you know, we think of Disneyland. We, I mean, when we grew up, we had, oh, a lot of fun there. Well, you know what? I'm with this mother. She says, I'm saying goodbye to Disney World or Disneyland yeah. and their material. Why? She's going to tell us why when we come back here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to thank Powerful you again Radio. for joining us. And get this information out as broad as you can. People need to hear this. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's on the road again this Lent. I mean, he's doing penance just being on road. Can you imagine getting on airplanes and flying here and then flying back to time zone? Jess, uh, your, your reward will be high, brother. Just keep it up for as long as you can. Hey, Amen. Until, Jess, until my heart stops. Exactly. Just this article about mom saying goodbye to the message of Disney, it's going viral. Can you share with us a little bit of what, what she's, why is she so concerned about uh, Disney? Yeah. Terry, this, this, Disney's betraying the whole reason why they started. Yep. Uh, God bless Christine Hawkins or Kristen Hawkins. She's mm-hmm. a mother. She's a podcaster. She's the president of Students for Life. And she says that she and her family are saying goodbye to Disney World and all that it entails. Uh, so what are the details? Well, this mom is saying goodbye to Disney, and it's gone viral because Disney has, trans- has been transformed into a political propaganda machine right. of the left that grooms children for abortions and sexual promiscuity at an early age. So in a fiery op-ed for Fox News, Christian Hawkins, this mom, says that she's brokenhearted over what she describes as Disney's more progressive slant. Uh, She said, upon watching its newest movie with Pixar entitled Turning Red, it's clear that the clock has finally struck midnight for Disney's era of whimsical fairy tales with moral lessons. Gone are the innocent days of of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney has now been transformed into a political propaganda machine that grooms children for abortions and sexual promiscuity and nothing showcases their regression into a progressive pumpkin better than their new movie. So this mom says, she also details how she believes that the new, Dix, the new Disney Pixar film, oh my gosh. which is a PG-rated movie about a 13-year-old girl named May, who turns into a red panda every time she feels passionate emotions, and she feels, quote, wildly inappropriate in a movie targeting young children like mine, for what she said is its depiction of, quote, sexual tension. So the adults at Disney, they create a storyline for the young main character and her fictional friends around their attraction of an older boy dangerously close to being a legal adult at 17. It's even more appalling when May begins to draw this boy 
and what a turning red YouTube account calls dirty drawings. Yep. Her drawings include half-naked sketches of this young boy, and at one point, she crawls under her bed to get all hot and sweaty with her sketchbook of semi-nude scribbles. It would be hard to explain this scene as anything other than masturbation. That's it. You nailed it. Yep, and Kristen Hawkins pointed out that the abortion lobby receives a nod from Disney towards the end of the movie when, when the, the character May goes out in public as the Red Panda, contradicting her mother's wishes and telling her, my panda, my choice. Oh, my gosh. So, Terry, Disney is, is brutal. clearly is no longer interested in being a guardian of the innocence of childhood, said this mom, Kristen Hawkins. But she actually pointed out from leaked comments from Disney leadership yep. about incorporating more queer leads into the company's productions and products. And instead, by their own admission, Disney leadership is actively pushing children out of, out of Neverland and directly into an adult's sexualized world where they can be groomed for others' enjoyment. Jesse, let me just, Jesse, let me just sense something. That just, when, I, when you were reading this, I'm sure most of us are going, wait a minute, are you kidding me? We all went to Disneyland or Disney World. We all had a great time. The movies, you remember Snow White and all that? No, it's not that anymore, folks. And just to demonstrate this clearly in the article, Disney recently spoke out in opposition to Florida's parental rights in this education bill, which would prohibit the discussion of sexual orientation, gender identity, and grades kindergarten to third. She continued, but what more can Disney really do? Sexualized content seems to be the new pixie dust at Disney, sprinkling literally. And I want to just mention, there are protests all over the country there's people think tomorrow there's a rally against Disney. I think with social media, Jesse, this is going to backfire on Disney. They're going to lose a lot of customers. And I think we have to hold the line and have an alternative uh, and not go to Disney World, Disneyland, buy any of their movies yep. for our kids. Just to a complete yes. boycott. That's my take, brother. Yes, Terry. This uh, this is a Braveheart moment, as yeah. as as uh, Mel Gibson said. Yeah. Uh, to his army, hold the line, <laughs> hold, the line. hold the line. This is a Braveheart moment right now in the culture wars. And Terry, Disney has really departed from, I remember years ago, <laughs> I used to, when, you know, I used to turn it off for my kids when they were small. Of course. And you used to hear them, they used to hear the little, the little ditty. They used to say, now it's time to say goodbye to all my family. <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Terry, those are the days when it was innocent. And, and, and Disneyland, yeah. it actually had godly roots. Yes. Walt Disney yep. was a practicing Catholic. If, if, Walt, if Walt Disney, well, I'm sure probably from the other side of eternity, he can see what's, what's happened yeah. to his empire that he built. He built it as, an, as a family-friendly empire. Uh, you know, that, that promoted family and, and marriage. And and, and, uh, and and if he would see right now, Terry, what's happened, he would be turning in his grave. Yeah. Uh, Christine, the, this lady, Chris, uh, Kristen Hawkins, yeah. this uh, mother podcaster and, and president of Students for Life, she says, whatever Disney's future might be, it's a sad reality that the company is losing its credibility through movies like Turning Red. 
For parents who proactively monitor what their child is viewing, it's likely time to say goodbye to today's Disney if you want to protect your children from the grooming tactics of the left because we're not dealing with Mickey Mouse anymore. Nope. And she ends it there. I would actually say that we're dealing with the, the diabolical at this point. Oh, yeah. And they know exactly what they're doing. That's right. And they know who to go after. They want to go after the children. And, you know, Jesse, yep. I remember years ago when they had, you know, Catholic night when we were many years ago, they would have these themes. And I remember the first time they did the homosexual night. And I was like, what? And uh, this was probably 25, 20 years ago. They were early. They, they've been working on this project for many years. And now it's just becoming openly uh, clear that they want to stop anything of good or moral teachings. And they want to groom our kids for, for immorality. And they're going to take your money to do it. And, not, and I'm saying, don't let them get a red dime. Yeah, Terry. And, and here's. Walt Disney, this company, is one of the top 15 media companies in the world. Yeah. These guys are big players in, 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 the, uh, mm -hmm. in the hands of Satan. Right. So Walt Disney, of the 15 top companies in the world, Walt Disney is in the top 15. And by the way, look at, look at the six major organizations. Well, Disney is one of the six major organizations yep. that controls the world's media. Wow. What does Disney control? Disney controls, they own ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, and Marvel Studios. So Disney is one of six companies that controls the media. And, uh, you know, Disney's been able, Terry, Terry, to implement the culture of death and the culture of the occult and the culture of sexual immorality. How? Because what they do is they skillfully, with their artists, they create these characters and these screenplays and these plots, yeah. and they carefully craft some of the lead people to push messages and imagery and symbolism oh, yeah. of the occult, of witchcraft, of paganism, of the Illuminati, of, 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 of the Freemasons, uh, sexual immorality, and either, even other satanic origins. And so the Disney Terry... They've blurred the line between good and evil. Oh yeah, yeah. In many of their movies, yeah. And uh, and this is just plain wrong and plain evil. And sometimes Disney will even represent uh, evil as good. That's right. Uh, they'll try to they'll try to represent something evil as like interesting or fascinating or glamorous or exciting or desirable. And, and so they know what they're doing, and they're targeting our children because Disney. Has, has used their influence, their money, their, their, their name recognition. They've taken some of the old fairy tales, some of the old fables and legends and stories from around the world. And what they've done, Terry, they've perverted them. They've, yeah. they've manipulated them and they've repackaged them to cater to an evil agenda of the occult and sexual immorality. Jesse, this is the same thing with Harry Potter that many people don't think is, is uh, harmful. We have to really wake up to realize what we're dealing with is evil. Now, some people would say, Jesse, Terry, calm down. It's just Disneyland. It's, it's Disney World. It's, it's the movies. They're just trying to entertain your kids. No, there's an, a real clear agenda to corrupt your ch children, and you as parents have to be that uh, roadblock from them to get into your home. See, this is why I say every show 
every music, all the music, you've got to be the gatekeeper because right now, this the world we're living in is out to corrupt your family and tear it apart. Terry, it's not it's not a bad idea right now, especially for Lent. It's a good thing to practice. A lot of you know, I'm practicing. A lot of people are practicing what's called a media fast. Mm-hmm. In other words, you don't use any media unless it's necessary for your work, like right. like what I have to do these shows. Sure. But don't turn on the TV for 40 days. Yeah. You don't you don't need you know don't don't turn on music for 40. Just right. go through a media fast, and and it's funny, but. A media fast is something that Father Ripperger yeah. and, and his team of exorcists, what they do when they get a case of possession, they'll put the, 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 the penitent uh, to, through, through a 30- a to 60-day media fast entirely, mm-hmm. and then they'll put them on a strong prayer protocol. And oftentimes, uh, the person doesn't even need an exorcism. Just a media fast for 30 to 60 days and a dedicated prayer protocol of praying three, three to five times a day uh, breaks the diabolical affliction. And Jesse, here's some advice that would help us parents stand up to this. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't, especially our children. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we come back, put your seatbelts on because we're going to talk about the source and summit of the Christian life, the Holy Eucharist. And have we lost this hunger in our church and in the world? Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. This is an article by one of Jesse's former professors. Is it not, Jess? Yep, Regis Martin. All right, well, let's talk about his Have We Lost Our Hunger for the Bread of Life? Unfortunately, in many quarters we have, but that's exactly why the Terry and Jesse show is on, because we're trying to... Terry and myself, we are just two beggars that have found the bread of life, and we're trying to help other beggars find that bread of life. Dr. Regis Martin says, Have we lost our hunger for the bread of life? There is a moment in Holy Mass to which I suspect not a few of us older Catholics these days are drawn. It comes during the first Eucharistic prayer, that most ancient and august expression of Catholic worship, when the priest addressing God directly asks that he remember all those who have come together to pay homage to him. After all, it is primarily for their benefit, that is, the ones whose faith and devotion are known to you, that they've come to Mass in the first place. For them, the priest says, quote, we offer you the sacrifice of praise or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, close quote. It is a moving petition put to Almighty God, one that the church has used since the Roman rite was first set in stone back in the fourth century, and one would not dream of trying to improve upon it. But each time I hear it, and I'm blessed to do so every morning, says Regis Martin. I linger over that last phrase, quote, and all who are dear to them, close mm-hmm. quote, and call to mind not only those present and accounted for, but for all those others, especially dear to me, who in some ways remain disaffected from the church in which they were born and raised. They no longer adhere, you see, to the truth of the Catholic thing. Their numbers appear to have become like the sands of the sea, Whole families fractured as it were, 
by the defection of so great a number of their children. These are our lapsi, the scattered souls for whom the practice of the faith has ceased to matter. Have they actually lost their faith? Or have they decided no longer to organize or shape their lives around it? Who knows? Besides God, that is, mm-hmm. who longs for their return, much as the father does in the parable of the prodigal son, yep. or Mother Church herself, who, according to St. Irenaeus, will not turn her back on her own children, but will, in the image of Lot's wife, continue to look longingly for them against the backdrop of their own destruction. Or Jesus himself in the story of the woman at the well. He thirsts for her even more than she longs for her for either water or another husband. Terry? Well said, Jess. But, you know, why will they not return? What keeps them away, the doctor says? Or, to put it more precisely, what was it that drove them away in the first place? And I think he nails it right here, Jesse. It's a crisis of faith. They don't know their faith. How can they love something that they don't know? Or was it perhaps other Catholics who witnessed seemed not quite up to scratch? Yeah, scandal is a big obstacle to evangelization. But like the young woman whose initial exuberance on meeting Flannery O'Connor and reading her wonderful stories moved her to become a Catholic, only to leave off being Catholic shortly after meeting a number of other Catholics. It seems their shortcomings proved to be a bridge too far. But don't you realize O'Connor told her that the only thing that is going to make the terrible world we are coming to endurable is the church, and that the only thing that makes the church endurable is that it is somehow the body of Christ, and on this body we are fed. Jess? What else could her young friend have gone to where else there's nowhere else young friend have gone to be fed yeah nope or maybe she wasn't quite hungry enough the danger is not writes simon wheel lest the soul should doubt whether there is bread but lest by a lie it should persuade itself it is not hungry how often we succumb to such lies to the seductions of a culture that has blinded itself before god deaf to that very poetry of the transcendent of which my old friend and mentor fritz Wilhelm's men so often spoke. And in many cases, hasn't the answer already been given pretty definitively back in the first century by the Apostle Peter when he said, Lord, he asked, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And there are others as well, countless others, the writer Walker Percy, for instance, who when asked about his own conversion, would (laughs) invariably reply, quote, what else is there? Close quote. <laughs> Where else does one go to find and commune with the living God? If he is truly there, broken to become our bread, then there can be nothing more necessary to know or how to receive than Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist. Terry? Amen. And if he's not actually there, what then? Are we willing to settle for a mere symbol, a sign no more real than an image of someone who loved on a computer screen? (laughs) What a great analogy. When Christ promised us himself in John 6, mere crackers and grape juice will not satisfy what our hearts are burning for the real presence. As Flannery O'Connor once said, 
after listening to Miss Mary McCarthy dismiss it as all symbolism. If it was just a symbol, then the hell with it. <laughs> I think that's so weird. And certainly not if we are seriously, seriously the words of Jesus himself, which the Apostle John dutifully recorded in the chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. As Jesse says all the time, it's quite simple. Continue, Jess. Yep, it's quite simple, Terry. And if he's actually there... Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, it, no. no, what more? Uh, no, what more, what more could any mere mortal ask for? Mm-hmm. Who would not wish for this to feast upon the flesh of the living God? Yeah, sign well, me up, man. Some of, the, some of the Jews apparently did not wish to, yeah. having found not only the idea insupportable, but the man who said it. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? To which Jesus replies witheringly, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Close quote. What a scandal Christ has left us with. Yep. It is one to which, however, we, we must do all we can, moved by the grace of God, to reintroduce our children, lest they should wander away forever, finding themselves alone and lost at the very last. And Jesse, Bishop Athanasius Snyder wrote this book called The Catholic Mass, Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. And, you know, I've read for 42 years of my life Catholic books. And Monsignor Harris here, who's, you know, speaks 12 languages, he's a, was a Vatican diplomat, he said the same thing. I said, Monsignor, I said this is the top 10 book. It's in the top 10 books I've ever read on the Mass. And so I want to encourage our listeners to pick it up either from Sophia Press or I bought a whole caseload of them. If you want to pick them up, just call us at 877 877- Five two six two one five. When Cardinal Robert Seraz is endorsing it, Cardinal Zen Scott Hahn. Oh, there's just a ton of people who think this book is as good as I say. And that is Jesse. This will restore what Regis Martin's article is all about: giving people reasons for going to mass and seeing the majesty of the mass. Because I think a lot of people still see the mass as like a Protestant meeting. You sing some songs, you read some scripture. No, they don't get it. And I think that it's time to refresh our memory. We've had amnesia for about 60 years. That's my take after reading this, Jess. We need to go back to our fundamental understanding of what takes place on the altar. Yeah, Terry, the Protestants have the Bible. That's the menu. We gave them the menu, sure. but they don't have the meal. Yep. Catholics have the menu and the meal. And so when you go to Holy Mass, you're getting soul food. Amen. You're nourishing your soul. Yep. And Jesus is on the menu at every holy mass. <laughs> That's right. What happens when you receive the Holy Eucharist? Guess what? You receive sanctifying grace. You yep. gain heaven, not weight. And that receiving the Holy Eucharist, it's like reaching back 2,000 years and grabbing a hold of the cross of Christ and letting the blood of Jesus drip down and wash you clean. Wow. The, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary is, 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 is to history the equivalent of throwing a rock in a still pond of water. <laughs> the ripple effect on that water is like the mass. The mass is the ripple effect of Calvary. That's how you and I come in contact with Christ on Calvary. 
The blood of Jesus just flows through time and into eternity through the Catholic Mass. So Calvary's like a power socket. It's a power outlet. At Mass, the priest plugs in the Calvary, and the power source, which makes Calvary's effects present to us here and now. So when you walk out of Mass, you're not walking out of Phoenix, Arizona, or West Covina, <laughs> California. You're walking down the slopes of Jerusalem, Israel. You're walking down the slopes of Calvary because the Jesus of Calvary 2,000 years ago and the Jesus in the Holy Eucharist at your parish is the one and the same Jesus Christ. Jesse, that's taken right from you. You summarized a, a little section of this book. Yeah, you actually oh, did. Wow. And you didn't even read the book yet. But you know why, Jesse? Wow. Do you know why you did that? Because Since today. Yes, Jesse, because there's so, when you know the Catholic faith well, you can communicate that. How many people go to Mass and have no idea what you just said is true? Do you realize, I mean, if we can get a restitution, restoration of the mass to get back to people understanding what takes place, we're not going to have 15% of the people showing up. We're going to have at least 80 to 90% of the people because there's still people going to reject it, but they haven't been taught. That's why I think this book, The Catholic Mass, Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God in the Liturgy, is so good. Here's what Scott Hahn said. This book proclaims a message for all of us to hear, and it's this. To live with our lives centered on God is the only safe way to live. We do this most fully when we pray with a deep reverence, the Mass, whose every detail proclaims God's mercy and greatness. So that's why I encourage people to pick up this book by going to just call it, call, go to Sophia Press or call us at 877-526-215. If we could get that restoration going here at Virgin Most Powerful, we'd be happier than a hog in mud. Jess Romero's on the road. He'll be back <laughs> as usual. This is a busy Lent for Jesse. I want to just remind everybody, pick up Father Chad Ripperger's conference on spiritual warfare by going to vmpr.org. Jesse Romero, what state should we be living in? Don't tell me what state you're in. I'm not asking that, brother. What should we be living in? we got to live in a state of sanctifying grace. Amen. Don't live in the state of mortal sin. Remember the Holy Eucharist. <laughs> Receive the Holy Eucharist every Sunday. It's the bread of angels. It's the fountain of youth. It's the antidote against sin. It's the food for the journey. It's the medicine of immortality. It's soul food. Remember the Eucharist as often as possible. Amen. We've got Bishop Joseph Strickland coming on after the break. And I did this interview Friday with him. Put your seatbelt on. This is a bishop who's going to call us out for the truth of of Jesus Christ like no other bishop in the Catholic Church. Join us by going to vmpr.org or stay on the station. It'll play it. God love you.